welcome to series four of Mum Talk. We are officially starting series four today. I am super excited to be back with you all these last, I don't know, I think it's even been a couple of months actually since the last podcast, since finishing off series three have been a little bit of a whirlwind. I've tried to get the podcast live quite a few times over that period of time, but it's just not been written in the cards and Amandine has either been a little bit tricky and anyway, every time I've gone to put it live, I just haven't been able to. So I am really excited to be getting back into series four of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed last week, which was a bit of a bonus. I really wanted to talk about everything whilst it was fresh in in my head. You guys know how I can waffle a little bit. So I thought if I get that out to you, then it'll be fairly waffle free. <laughs> um, not sure it really was in, in reality, but I hope you guys, you guys enjoyed it. I've had a couple of questions off the back of it, which I'll answer um, in today's podcast. And thank you so much for sending in all your questions. I'll try and get through them all today. Obviously, some of them overlap, so I will. Um, I'm sure I'll cover it off if I don't specifically address your question. Anyway, welcome. I, right now, I'm going to tell you where I'm at because, you know, I like to be real with you all. It's Wednesday. It's podcast day. If you listened to my Instagram yesterday, I'm, I had the best intentions to record the podcast yesterday. That just didn't happen. Amandine right now is going through a leap and within that leap, separation anxiety was listed as one of the things. And I tell you now, that is not a lie. She is really going through separation anxiety. And it's difficult. It's really tricky, especially when Hendrick's at work. And I just can't give her to anybody or leave her alone for, you know, a couple of minutes playing with her toys. So yesterday, Hendrick is actually at home and I had a couple of uh, chances where I could have recorded maybe a little snippet of the podcast, but not the whole bit, that's for sure. So this morning, I've just put Amandine down and it's very much my intention to finish the whole episode for you guys today um, and get it live straight away. So I am not fibbing when I said yesterday that it would be live today. So today is... A little bit off our normal routine, actually. I'll come back to separate, uh, separation anxiety, don't worry, because I know it was one of uh, your questions. But today is a little bit different, and I just wanted to highlight that everything changes so, so much on a daily basis. I'm sure you're probably nodding your head right now if you have a newborn or a baby or even a toddler. No two days are ever the same. So Amandine normally wakes up, she goes down for her nap around half past eight, nine o'clock, But this morning or last night, we had such a shocker of a night. She woke up at four. um, She then got stuck in the cot where she kind of, she always likes to turn sideways in her cot, which is the narrowest bit. And when she pushes her feet, I can just see her squishing her head further onto the bars. And that causes her distress. And I'm really trying to drop all of her night feeds right now. So I'm trying not to go in as much as I can and just let her not cry it out a little bit. But just, she's not full on crying. She's just whining a little bit. So I've been trying to do that. Anyway, last night I had to go in at four o'clock. Shifted her around in her cot so she was back um, straight down the line of the cot and then left her hoping that she'd go back to sleep. She looked like she was going back to sleep, but then she just lay there with her eyes open for, I don't know, the best part of half an hour. And I was thinking, what am I doing? I'm not getting any sleep because I'm hoping that she'll go back to sleep, but I'm actually watching her while she's lying awake. Why don't I just go feed her, then she'll go back to sleep and happy days. 
So that's what I did, but it didn't really work. So I went, I fed her, she guzzled down a whole bunch of milk, breastfed her. And then at 5.30, she woke up again and she got stuck in her cot again. So I had to go back, move her round, fed her again a little bit because I was desperate for some more sleep at this point. Bad idea. Tried to put her down, she wouldn't go down. She woke up again at maybe six o'clock went back in, this time I brought her into my bed, just, this is really bad, but I just put her on my boob, <laughs> lying in bed, I haven't done that for ages, that used to be my kind of real go-to for a few weeks, and she would go back to sleep for a really good amount of time, but now she doesn't, and she didn't, so I put her back in her cot at maybe quarter to seven, and she slept right the way through until eight, Normally, I would get her up at 7 or 6.30, we'd go downstairs, we'd have some breakfast, we'd have a little play, then we'd come back upstairs, she'd go down to bed about half past eight, quarter to nine, but I've only just put her down, I put her down at about quarter to ten, it's now quarter past ten, and I have no idea what time she's going to wake up, normally she's waking up around now, then she'll go down again around half past twelve, one o'clock, so who knows, who the hell knows, I normally pump in the morning, I'm pumping right now um, to try and get that done because in the evenings we're trying to give her her last feed at 7 o'clock so we're dropping the dream feed right now and the dream feed didn't seem to be making any difference and in fact a couple of times before we decided actually let's drop the dream feed she was refusing to drink anything. So Dropping the dream feed is is going really well, but she is waking up really early. And she, yeah, she woke up really early this morning, four o'clock. She'd been doing quite well until five o'clock previously, previous nights, but it seems to be getting earlier and earlier. And because our routine is a little bit all over the shop, she's also in that point where some days she'll take three naps, some days she'll only take two naps. Like today will definitely, I would have thought, be a two-napper but it's going to be a bit tricky. I have no idea how today's going to work out, but it's either, and hopefully this will cover some of your questions around routine, but she's either doing wake up 6.30, well, 6, 6.30, I'll get her up probably around 7, then she'll go down at 8.30, o'clock ish then she'll go down 12.30-ish, then she'll go down 4.30-ish, and then she'll go to bed at 7. Um... So that'll get you three naps, but she may also do get up at seven, uh, go down at nine, which I'm trying to push a little bit more, but going to nine, and then she'll have a really big nap at nine, then she won't go down till maybe half past one, and then she'll sleep all the way through until three, three thirty, and then she'll go to bed around six thirty, seven o'clock. That's where I have the problem, because six thirty, she'll then wake up a lot earlier because I feed her at 6.30 and then yeah she wakes up around 4 <laughs> which is not ideal so I'm actually taking a lot of advice from taking Caro Baby's Instagram page now I never actually bought her newborn courses one of my friends um, who's been on the podcast Rebecca somewhat rad she has done taking Caro Baby's courses and she's absolutely sworn by them I never actually did. I always felt like I was in between courses, but I think with the next one, I may invest <laughs> if we have another baby. I may invest. If you are finding sleep really difficult, she has incredible advice, even if you don't buy her courses, because they are expensive, but then I would pay a lot of money to have a sleeping baby. Um, 
she gives a lot of advice in her blog and on Instagram. She answers a lot of questions, which you probably have, and I definitely had. So definitely would recommend that. Um, but yeah, it, it's sleep, I guess that's the biggest thing whilst I've been away from the podcast that's happened, because I think I left you at the end of series three with us about to be sleeping through or hopefully sleeping through and not waking up for that 3am feed it feels like a really long time ago now but literally a couple of days I think after the last podcast episode gave her her dream feed and she slept through till I think five or even six o'clock she was actually ill at the time she had her first very minor cold at this point I thought it was quite a big cold but it really wasn't it was an incredibly minor cold I have now experienced a big cold so that's why I can say that she had a very minor cold and she slept through so from then I really started to encourage um her sleeping through and not giving her the three o'clock dream feed 3am 3am feed sorry so I stayed with the dream feed at 10 but I didn't give her the 3am one and it's worked And now we're dropping that dream feed. But she's never made it to seven. She's only ever made it to five or six o'clock. So who knows? Who knows how this is going to develop over the next week? But I'm excited to share that with you. As far as routine goes, so just to cover off everything, I have covered routine a lot in series three. So go back to series three. Um, But bedtime for us generally has no bath actually in it. We maybe bath Amandine once every three to four days. I have found that when I started to bath her a little bit more, her skin got really dry. So I have been knocking out the baths and been doing one bath every third or fourth night. You know, she doesn't sweat. She's not crawling yet. She's not playing around in the dirt. And if she does, of course, I'll bath her. If she does a really really yucky nappy I will give her bum a little bit of a wash but I won't do her whole body because it just hasn't been very good for her skin so bath or no bath and then get into pjs read a book with daddy and then feed with me normally however sometimes she does get really hungry and she won't concentrate on the book and all she wants to do is eat so I will sometimes feed her before and then Hendrik will read her the book and she'll go to bed. She's so good at going to bed now. I can literally lie her down awake and she will go straight down. That was never the case with us. Just to recap a little bit, but I have covered this in all three episodes, all three series. She used to feed herself to sleep and it was impossible to put her down unless I was really stealth about leaning down into the cot, trying to slide my arms away. And I remember everyone always saying to me, don't put down a sleeping baby. You're never going to get her to go to sleep by herself. And the point behind that is when they they learn to self-settle really early. Um, And so they wake up in the middle of the night. They know that they need to suck their thumb or they need to be able to just uh, go back to sleep. Amandine started to self-settle when she sucked her thumb. That was really the turning point for us when I could put her down awake and she would just suck her thumb to sleep. So I am all pro-sucking thumbs, seriously pro-sucking thumbs. She does get a bit of a rash on her cheek from sucking her thumb, just I think from the extra saliva that dribbles down and then um, she has a bit of a rash. She always sleeps on her left side. I've tried so many times putting her down on her right side, but she'll just always roll over. And then through the night, she'll even it out a little bit. She'll roll onto her right side, roll onto her back. 
and she started to roll onto her tummy. So a few times whilst I've stayed at my mum's, she has rolled onto her tummy in that cot and she's never done it in her cot before at home until a couple of nights ago when I woke up after she'd gone back to sleep and she'd done a little bit of moaning and groaning. I didn't think much of it. And then I thought I went in to go and check on her and she was on her front with her arms sticking out of the cot and she just couldn't kind of figure things out but she'd gone back to sleep and then I was watching over her and could keep seeing her eyes opening a little bit thinking, oh for God's sake, I'm on my tummy and then uh, going back to sleep again, bless her. So yeah, she is starting to now roll around a lot more. Back to routine, sorry. So we'll then, yeah, book her and she'll go down really easily in her cot then we were dream feeding her at 10 o'clock or half past 10 whenever I was going to bed and then leaving her until the earliest I would ever get up would be five o'clock to feed her or and then I would put her back down she would only probably sleep until 6 30 or 7 o'clock now we're back to bed book bath whatever that looks like if um if we're bathing or not now I'm feeding her a bottle. So last night, in fact, was the first time I fed her her biggest ever bottle. This is um, pumped breast milk still, but I am feeding her 150 ml. She has never, ever taken that much from the bottle. And she did last night, and I definitely could have given her 180. Hence why I'm pumping. I'm trying to get as much milk out so I can give her that final bottle of the day. And I'm hoping that that will see her through until six or seven didn't work last night at all didn't even make a difference last night I was breastfeeding her that last feed at seven o'clock before and it doesn't seem that the amount of milk she definitely doesn't get 150 mil from me when she goes to bed if she's going on the boob um my milk supply at that time of night is really quite low but which is normal I think so we are um, trying to give her the bottle to see if over the course of time it will help and make a difference. No dream feed at 10 and then we're going right the way through until she wakes up. Now I am trying my hardest to leave her to cry just a little bit but it's not cry cry. It's just moaning and groaning, I'm hungry, please come and feed me type um, crying. But I've, I've had to go in at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock uh, to feed her. So that's the routine we're doing at the moment. Every nap time also, I still put her into her PJs unless she is wearing a long sleeve vest and then I'll just put her in her slightly warmer tog bag to go to sleep, um, which is what I've just done now actually. So it really depends, but I am starting going on holiday. If you've listened to the last podcast, the bonus podcast, I'm trying to relax a little bit about nap times. I'm trying to get her out in the pram a little bit more for nap times just because she's got it now she really has got it down and I feel confident and even when we were hiking in the Alps and she was in that baby carrier bag that big rucksack thing um from Osprey I will now say it was gifted yeah <laughs> um she 12 o'clock or her nap time would hit 12 or twelve thirty, and she'd go to sleep it seems to be less about her surrounds now she is so down to a routine it it seems to be yeah it doesn't matter where she is, she will just go to sleep. So I need to try and get her into the pram to try and do a little bit of a sleep. It would be nice to be able to go out for a lunch or um, go, yeah, just anything really. Um, or just be able to go for a stroll in the pram and know that she'll have a nap. So that's my, and in the summer, 
I'd really like to get to the point where we can make a little hut on the beach with maybe one of those sun canopy things and she'll be able to go down on the beach. I don't want to have to start having three-hour windows and you've got to get back to get her down in her cot to nap. It's going to be quite challenging. It's already quite challenging. So I think for her as well, she loves being outside. She loves being outdoors in nature. And these few weeks where she's had really bad separation anxiety and she just hasn't really been a very happy baby, she is happiest when she is in that Osprey carrier and being carried around and seeing things and smelling new things. She mows the garden with Hendrik, uh, mows the lawn with Hendrik in that Osprey carrier and she just loves it. She absolutely loves it. She's smiling all around. Um, so I'm going to move on to separate, uh, separation anxiety, seeing as I'm on that topic. I really don't know much about that topic at all. All I can tell you is my experience and how I'm dealing with it. Now, I do not know if I'm dealing with it in the right way. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on it. If you're listening, you've been through this or you're going through this, what you're doing. It's hard. It's really hard. Take for this morning, for instance. I Hendrik got her up out of bed whilst I got dressed and took her downstairs. She was happy as Larry no problems, like playing along, chatting along, which he has been not doing very much recently, I go down, she sees my face, she shoves out her arms, reaches for me and just cries until I go and pick her up. And then when I sit her at the high chair with me, start giving her some food, again, the minute I take my attention off her, or if I walk away from the high chair, she cries. It's it's really difficult and when we were away hiking in the Alps if I gave her to my mum or my sister for a book even she would cry all the time and then I went down for bank holiday weekend uh, to see my mum and my sister again down in um, South Devon and I couldn't give her to either of them she would just cry if I walked out of the room and she noticed nightmare so yeah I've been picking her up to be honest because I hate seeing her unhappy this is definitely a phase that she's going through and also a learning phase for me I have been trying to let her calm down first and then when she isn't crying I'll pick her up she likes to be held right now walked around with us but she doesn't want to go in the carrier in the ergo baby which is obviously the easiest one so I'm definitely putting my back out right now and my shoulders my goodness I need a massage Um, carrying her around she just wants to be attached she wants to be seeing everything that I'm seeing doing everything that I'm doing which is really difficult she doesn't want to sit still for more than five minutes so yeah I need to read up on it I need to do a little bit more research I'll let you know my findings on what I find or if you guys message in I will let this go out to anyone else who is listening um, because I really think we can help each other on this one I would love to know how you cope with separation anxiety um I I don't know if I left her with someone and, you know, like with Hendrik, he got her out of the cot, he then played with her and it was only when I turned up that she started getting clingy. I don't know if that might be the same if I left her with somebody else other than Hendrik or um, whether she just doesn't understand that if I'm in the room, why sh- why can't she be with me? Why can't she be there? I mean, I, I'm not surprised this is happening because I am her absolute constant I wake up in the night if she wakes up. She has always slept next to me. She's obviously now in her own room, but she has always slept next to me. Um, I am kind of normally always the one that goes to her because I am at home, Hendrix at work. I am her constant. 
so it's not surprising. And it was definitely compounded by the fact that she was so, so ill before we went to the Swiss Alps. She got such a bad little cold. Um, actually, it was nasty. I got it, so I can definitely <laughs> agree that it was nasty. As you can probably hear from my voice, I'm actually still getting over it. But she slept with me in the bed. I walked around one night with her for six whole hours. Every time I sat down, she'd wake up and cry. And I'm sure, I am sure that level of connection that we had while she was ill, where we literally didn't leave each other's sides and then I was ill. Um, so I was always with her and trying to, you know, just sit with her on the sofa. I had no energy to do anything else. So yeah, I'm sure that compounded it. And then we went to the Swiss Alps. Again, I was always there. She still wasn't particularly feeling brilliant. So we'd have a lot of time cuddling and snuggling and feeding lots and lots of breastfeeding and that was the same when she was really ill I just gave her food whenever she wanted it because she was off her food completely so I would just breastfeed her anytime she even looked interested so she was on and off the boob throughout the day a lot and she's definitely thought that or started to think that that's become the norm again because every time she sees me she reaches for my boob and she just wants boob I know she's not hungry because it's only been an hour since I fed her last I've also been questioning my milk supply because I do know that when I get ill, my milk supply reduces a lot. Now, what I should have done, and I completely forgot for some reason, I have a stash of milk in the freezer, so I have no idea why I didn't just grab some of those stashes and top her up with extra milk um, to see if that was the problem. But it was only when I looked in the freezer the other day because I remembered and I was like, oh, it only keeps for six months. I think I need to start eating or start giving Amandine some of the breast milk in the freezer and I do I, I do it's only okay for another month so I have to start doing that um I would love to hear your thoughts on separation separation anxiety if you feel like it you could go on to my instagram which is mum talk podcast and dm me or pop me an email at mum talk podcast at gmail.com would love 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 to hear your thoughts so what else can I talk about? Um, I'm not sure whether Amandine was in the in her own room when I left you guys uh, after series three. I think we were just transitioning, but just to give you a really brief overview, she is in her own room. She has been ever since day one, aside from the two nights when she was really, 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 really poorly and she was in with me um, or I was walking around with her. Transition was dead easy dead easy. I think it's because I made sure that everything, we always did everything in her nursery. She took her naps in her nursery. I changed her nappy in her nursery. We had playtime in her nursery. I got her dressed in her nursery or in her room. Um, so it was very much a familiar place to her. She was very comfortable going down in her. She went to bed before we went to bed and I would bring her in with me. She'd always take that first kind of three hours of sleep in her cot in her nursery. So she was used to waking up in her nursery and then putting herself back to sleep in her nursery. So I've never ever had a problem with needing to bring her out and bring her back in with me. I think that would be my biggest recommendation to anyone. If you are going to have a separate room for your baby and you have the ability to do this, I know it's harder if you have another child and they're going to be sharing rooms, but if you have the ability to do this, try and make them really, really familiar with their room from day one, if you can. Um, I would. That's It's really worked for us. 
we might have just been lucky, but it has really worked for us. I did try and put a mattress in there because a few of you did say when, if you ever feel like you need to go in, make sure you go and sleep in her room rather than bringing her into your room. Um, and I did do that when she was ill, but actually I was walking around with her anyway, so I actually never slept in there with her. I just had the mattress in there just in case. While she was ill, I did um, say that I would share with you what I did to try and make her more comfortable. So while she was ill, I propped up her cot really, really high. <laughs> it was quite extreme. I think I did three thick book heights. Um, so it was really on a tilt. And I did think she'd end up at the bottom of the cot in the night and slide all the way down. But she didn't. I think she didn't because she had her grow bag on and it's quite grippy on the sheet. Um... I also, my friend Millie, my wonderful friend Millie, when Hendrik was away, because Hendrik was away for the two nights when Amandine was really, really bad, he was away doing Sims in Gatwick, and she came over and she bought me food and she bought Nurofen for Amandine, she bought baby Vicks for Amandine, um, lollies, watermelon, all that, strawberries, really yummy stuff for Amandine to eat to try and get her appetite back a little bit or to soothe her sore throat, because she obviously had a very sore throat, she couldn't swallow any of her saliva. Um, and we, Millie, yeah, kindly brought over some baby Vicks, so I would put the baby Vicks on the sheet either side of her and then a very small bit on her tog bag. That would help her out a little bit. I carried her a lot. I let her sleep whenever she wanted her, wanted to sleep. Tried to put her down for numerous naps throughout the day, but she wouldn't go. So actually, I'm, I'm sad I realised this so late on. But the best nap I think she took was me walking around our village in her in her pram because it was upright, a little bit upright. I didn't lie it all the way flat, but she could get that upright sleep and the movement and hearing my voice maybe just chattering along to her and singing along um, really, really helped. So if you have a sick baby, definitely try the stroller uh, because they do um, help to keep them upright a little bit. I, I was really late thinking about that. Where else did she nap? She napped once or twice in the Ergo Baby. She slept on me a couple of times. I managed to get her down maybe once in her cot when she was starting to get a little bit better. Um, baby Bjorn, got the Baby Bjorn back out and started rocking her in that where she'd get a little bit sleepy. One of the days she just didn't really nap. It was awful. Uh, but they were the things that I tried to keep her comfortable. Her temperature was huge at one point it was um 39.9 that was the worst we ever got so I stripped her all the way down she does like I think to be covered when she's sleeping so I put her in a super soft my friend Annie for my baby shower actually got me a super super soft um muslin type grow bag almost so I popped her in that just in her nappy to go to sleep for a couple of times when her temperature is really high Calpol hates you may have, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you may have known when I she had her first injections, tried to give her cowpole. It wasn't worth, wasn't worth the effort of giving her cowpole. It made her more distressed than the actual temperature. I checked it with the paediatricians and they were happy with it, um, and the doctors, and they were happy with it. So I didn't actually give her cowpole. N- not saying that you shouldn't make sure you always check with your doctor, but um, it was definitely causing Amandine more distress. So I tried to give her cowpaw to give her, get her temperature down, this time not interested. So when Millie brought over the Nurofen, the great thing about the Nurofen, cowpaw is a five mil dose when they, I think, when they get to over six months and they're ill. 
Nurofen's only two and a half mil. It's so much easier to get her to take two and a half mil of Nurofen than it was to get a whole five mil syringe of Calpol down her throat. So that's why I gave her Nurofen a couple of times. I think I only did give it to her maybe twice or three times. Um, again, because it was so distressing for her to take it. But actually, when I gave her Calpol and Nurofen a few times, it didn't even affect her temperature. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. I also rang 111 a couple of times and did go to the out-of-hours doctor because I was so worried about her and also her friend who she'd been with, Millie's son, had come down with uh, tonsillitis, which is quite rare, uh, bacterial tonsillitis, and we wanted to check before we went to the Swiss Alps that she wasn't getting that or had, hadn't had that. So when I took her to the doctor, he was like, no, can't see anything, but if she gets worse, make sure you can come back. She significantly got worse on that Saturday night. So I called again, went to see a different doctor, but, but at the same place because it was the out-of-hours doctor. And I have to say she wasn't so nice, but I do talk about that in the bonus episode. So make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode, the bonus episode. Um, where I talk about that doctor's trip, but I got loads of messages from you guys saying, don't ever worry about calling 111. If your gut instinct tells you to call, then call. They'd much rather see what they consider to be a healthy baby than miss a sick baby. So that would be my advice to you. Don't ever let yourself be put off by calling 111. If you feel like you need to, it would put your mind at ease. Um, and you know, help your baby, then do it. It's what it's there for. Do it. So what else can I share with you? Um, hair growing. Oh my goodness. I've had quite a lot of questions about this as well as to whether Amandine has cradle cap still. Yes, she does. But her hair is growing so, so much. <laughs> um, I actually haven't done anything for her cradle cap. It's not bothering her, so I don't see a problem with it. Um, when I shampoo her hair, I give her head a little bit of a rub with a natural sponge and that helps to loosen any bits which want to come off. Um, a few of my friends have kind of picked away at their baby's cradle caps, which is, you know, totally fine, but it doesn't bother me. So I just tend to leave it and yeah, her hair's growing fine. It's not bothering her. So I'm not, I'm not bothered with it. If anyone has any different advice on why I should get rid of cradle cap, then definitely tell me because I don't know these things. <laughs> um, pumping's going really well. I've had a lot of questions about how am I getting on with pumping? Am I noticing any reduction in my milk supply now I'm getting towards nine months of breastfeeding? No, not really. Uh, only that I know I definitely reduce in supply when I get to, when I get ill when I don't drink enough and when I don't eat enough. So when Amandine was ill, I barely ate anything for two days. I actually did lose quite a lot of weight. When Hendrik got back, he did say, wow, you know, you need to eat. Um, and I just couldn't. I just, I was holding her all the time. I know that sounds a bit silly. Looking back and if someone was telling me this, I'd be thinking, how hard is it just to shove a piece of toast in your mouth? Really flipping hard. <laughs> really hard. Um... Yeah, so if you have any friends who have sick babies, I said this in the bonus podcast, take them some food. Take them some food. Millie bought me a pizza. It was amazing. I did go to put it in the oven. Failed at putting it in the oven because Amandine had, I put Amandine down, but she would only go to sleep with me next to her um, in my bed. So I actually had to skip dinner that night uh, and woke up to an uncooked pizza in the oven. 
but that's just how it is sometimes and we can cope but yeah that's when I notice my milk reduction is significantly less I have been trying to pump still at 10 o'clock even though we're missing the dream feed I'm pumping at 10 o'clock just to be sure she doesn't need it anymore because what I don't want to do is get rid of that feed and my boobs not think they need to mel make milk for it and then Amandine want to go back. I think it would be harder probably to start again for that feed um, going back. So I'm still trying to keep up. Obviously seven o'clock, if I've already expressed the milk, I will um, express again at seven o'clock when she does that feed to make sure my boobs are still producing. If I can't give her the bottle or I don't know, I want to give her my boob, um, then they'll still produce the milk. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to pump in the morning as well, but often, especially when she wakes up so much, she requires so much milk. So uh, I think my boobs are just figuring out. They've obviously dropped the 3 a.m. feed, so they're full for the 5 o'clock feed. But then if she wants to feed again in an hour, they're not filling up quite as fast as they need to for me then to also pump on top of that. Um, I'm still using the LV pump. Full disclosure, it was gifted to me. It has actually broken once, um, so I had to call them. They replaced the hub. Uh, it was doing one of those painful things where it was just, it was getting stuck in suction mode. So it was just sucking my nipple further and further and further into the pump and it wasn't releasing it. Incredibly painful. Uh, I had to stick my little finger inside and release the suction, but even that was so hard because it was sucking so hard. <laughs> it was very painful. So I then had to drop off pumping um, a little bit whilst I got sent a new hub, but they were brilliant. Their um, technical advisors and their customer support is really, really good. Um, okay, on to your questions. Did you have to deal with postpartum hair loss? Oh, God, yes. And I think I'm still dealing with it. <laughs> I, a normal amount of hair loss, I hasten to add. I didn't uh, get any patches or anything like that, but some of my friends did where they had big clumps falling out of their head, um, which obviously is quite shocking when that happens. Um, I haven't had to deal with that, but a lot of hair came out. It started to ease off, but it is still falling out. Um, it's, it is scary when it first starts to happen. It is really scary. <laughs> um, you kind of brush it or you're in the shower and these big clumps are coming out of your hand. It's very normal, but if you're at all concerned, maybe check with your doctor or maybe check with your um, hairdresser. I don't know. I don't really know who to go to for that, but um, a certain amount is definitely normal. But if you're feeling like it's not normal or you're getting any forms of alopecia, then definitely go check it out with your doctor or your hairdresser. Maybe they can suggest something for you. But yes, I did. And how did I deal with it? I would brush my hair a couple of times a day and uh, that's it really. And just trusted my body that it would come back to normal. And it is slowly. And I have to say my entire body actually, I hate, 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 hate more than anything. Any questions that I get about my body's springing back, or people have been messaging recently saying, oh, you've just bounced back. I haven't bounced back. My body has completely changed. It's completely changed shape. Um, and in no way have I been doing anything to bounce back. I have been very lucky, or I mean, I wouldn't even say lucky, but breastfeeding for me has helped to... Um, lose some of the extra fluid that I was holding and 
some of the extra weight that I put on, very naturally put on when having a baby. Um, and I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm almost nine months postpartum now. She's almost been out for as long as she was in. And I haven't, yeah, I haven't done anything to shed weight. I've just let my body do its natural thing. And this is where I've ended up. And this is what I've ended up looking like, I guess. I did have a question, how is working out going? I'm not working out. <laughs> I don't work out. I used to work out a lot um, with my husband, Hendrik. We used to run and then we used to come back and do uh, like a hit style workout with skipping and burpees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm really not there yet. Um, my boobs are heavy. <laughs> I did like a little tiny jog when I was out for a walk and I was actually carrying a poo bag of my dog um, and I was running ahead to put it in the bin and it was uncomfortable. It was really horrible. I was running, my boobs were bouncing all over the place. I had a sports bra on still, but they were heavy. My pelvic floor felt weak. My ass was jiggling, but not in a good way. It was just, it was an uncomfortable experience. So I won't be doing that again anytime soon. Um, my ass has gone flat it was uh, quite pert when I was pregnant, actually. I've always had quite a flat ass. Um, when I squat, I build muscle on my thighs. I tend not to build muscle in my bum. Um, and Hendrik said to me the other day, he's like, maybe you should start squatting. <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, maybe not, maybe not. But I'll get there, and when I want to start working out, I will. I do a little bit of yoga just at home. Obviously, I'm a yoga teacher, so I... Um, I'm able to guide my body where I think it needs to go but I have to say I haven't really been doing that recently at all uh, because of being ill, not having the energy, needing to do other things. Time is precious uh, when she is napping because I can't do anything when she's awake so when she's napping time is really precious so I try and do everything that needs to get done um, and yeah like working out isn't the top of my priority right now I want to be strong for her but I do walk a lot I walk a lot as you guys may have seen we went hiking in the Swiss Alps that I guess was a workout <laughs> it was sweaty certainly raised my heart rate um a lot of hills a lot of mountains should I say uh and yeah I still I still walk a lot at home uh Hendrik and I do quite a few walks together and um, I'm generally quite active, I guess, around the house, but um, working out as far as like putting time in my diary to work out or go to the gym, I don't have a gym membership, I'm not a gym person, but it doesn't happen. Um, I think everybody's different. If you feel ready to work out, definitely go for it. If it helps you clear your mind, absolutely do it. If it helps you feel um, strong mentally and physically, 100% do it. Uh, for me, all I need to do is get out in nature and I feel a hundred times better. I don't need to necessarily go for a run. My sister, however, is different. She loves triathlons and marathons and uh, yeah, I've always wanted to be a runner. I've always wanted to be a runner and at one point I really felt like I was. Hendrik bought me an Apple iWatch. I was ready to like go out, test my track time, all this kind of stuff. I really got into running at home. Then I got pregnant. <laughs> and that went downhill so maybe I'll get there again one day but my sister's so mentally strong she can push through anything whereas I'm uh probably stronger now I'm a mum but 
I will give up quite easily, especially when I think, why do I want to do this? I feel like being a yoga instructor, I'm really in touch with my body. So if I'm out running and my body's not loving it, I'm like, yeah, why would I do that? Why don't I just stop? And then I stop. So there you go. Another question. How did you mentally prepare for natural childbirth? That's a tough question. I don't really feel like I did. I did the uh, Positive Birth Company um, hypnobirthing course, which was great. I do find, I do think that my yoga really helped because I trusted a lot in my body that it would do what it needed to do. I also didn't really give much time to it. Um, I think this can play for or against depending on your character, um, but for me, overthinking things will make me worry about things and panic about things. However, I did definitely have a panic moment when I when my waters broke and I went into labour instantaneously, almost. If you haven't listened to my birth story, go back to series one. Yeah, series one, I think, or series two. Ah, I'm not sure, sorry. Um, but go back to the podcast and have a listen. And... Uh, you will know I had a bit of a wobble, and I did. When everything started happening, I did have a wobble. Um, Only very, 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 very momentarily. I looked at Hendrik, I was slightly panicked, I could have cried, and then I thought, you know what, no, I've got this. I have got this, my body has got this. We're going to do this, I get to meet my baby in a few hours, this is going to be great. Uh, Yeah, I also did things like put a little bit of a birth preferences thing together which just helped me I actually don't think it was ever used but um it just helped me get my mind around what might happen you know thinking about if I needed to make a decision about a c-section or if I a cesarean or if I needed to make a decision about um getting out of the pool or maybe I wouldn't like the pool how else would I then think about wanting to give birth or and how else do I think my body would want to give birth if I wasn't in the pool? That kind of thing. So I think all of that planning really helped. I'm a list maker. I am a list maker. So I like to write things down. And I think it helps me to think about things. And if I can't have what I maybe want or feel that my body would want, then I'm prepared at least. So I think preparation for me was key. It might be that it's not for you. Um, I am chatting in this series about uh, birth stories with quite a lot of people so definitely continue listening to this series um, and we will touch on birth stories and everyone has their own different way of preparing for labour so I think that'll be really helpful for you. When did you start getting A into a bedtime routine? Oh my gosh, I'm asked this all the time and I actually wish I'd written it down because I don't really remember. I need to go back and listen to the podcast and find out, but I think it was about eight weeks, seven or eight weeks. I suddenly noticed that we had Amandine down with us. We'd be watching TV or relaxing. Um, This was when babies can just sleep under bright lights in their face. And I noticed that she wasn't very settled. She kept tossing and turning. She'd wake up and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'm going to try putting her down in her cot, see if she'll go. Um, And she did. And it was obviously the time for her. I think every baby's different. Some of my friends didn't put them down um, until they were 10 weeks. But yeah, I think around, I think between six and eight weeks, I reckon, we started to put her upstairs and put her in bed when... um, yeah, uh, before we went to bed. So around, I think it was probably around eight o'clock. We started with around eight o'clock and then she'd sleep for two hours and then I'd feed her at 10. 
something like that. How did you manage visitors when A was first born? I didn't. I didn't manage them very well at all. In fact, that's one of my biggest, not regrets, regrets too strong a word, but one of the things I really wish I had done differently. Um, I think I, I definitely touched on this in series three, so go back and have a listen in series three. But uh, my mum wanted to come the same day that I was, when I when I gave birth, um, Hendrik was very much, we need to tell your mum, we need to tell your mum. And I was like, yeah, but I just want to, just want it to be us. I just want this to be our thing. And he was like, yeah, but she's worrying. My mum is a worrier. Um, and so we had to text her. And then text messages followed. And then family found out, which was fine and lovely. And of course, you know, it's really important for my mum to tell people. And I loved that. But then I felt a pressure to be on my phone and responding and say thank you. When actually I wish I had just given my phone to Hendrik and said, you know what, take this away from me. I don't want it. I just want to be very much present and in the moment. I don't want to be texting people to say, Amandine was born, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then visitors. So my mum came over the day after. My sister then came a couple of days later when it was the weekend. Uh, Hendrik's parents came maybe a week later and stayed for a week because uh, they came over from France. Uh, my auntie came down, there was a lot of pressure of people wanting to come down, lovely pressure of people wanting to check in and say hi to the baby and see me, And but I am a yes person, I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings person, so when people were saying they wanted to make all the effort to come down from London, I felt really bad saying, you know what, no, I, I this needs to just wait, and I did say it one time, and then, you know, one of my family members was like, we're going to come down anyway, and if it's fine, then we'll come see you. And then I ended up saying, yeah, cool, just pop in. When actually, Hendrik had two weeks off, and I should have just said, no, I want to be alone. Immediate family only. My mum, my sister, Hendrik's parents. That is it. That's all I want. So it's it's some people love having visitors. Some people hate having visitors. I was kind of in the middle. It was quite a stressful thing for me. I'm not sure how much of that stress came from me or how much of that stress came from me trying to or knowing that Hendrik really didn't want visitors um, and me trying to kind of manage my expectations versus his versus everybody else's versus the importance of family and we have brought the first grandchild into the family or the first baby into the family uh, my mum's side of the family I might hasten to add so it's all very new. And my mum's first grandchild, she wanted to kind of keep popping up. And it was lovely, but I didn't manage it very well. I didn't manage it very well at all. Definitely go back to when we first had Amandine. I discuss it a lot more in the first few podcasts. So um, go check that out. But do what feels right for you and don't feel pressured into it. Um, it's important you get the time by yourself or with whoever you want to be around you, whether it's your husband, your partner, your boyfriend, um, your wife, whatever, do what's right for you. What baby products have you bought and actually used and what was a waste of money? Yeah, definitely covered this in the podcast, but I will quickly cover it again. Best thing early on was a baby Bjorn, 100%. Didn't buy it originally, thought it was too expensive, so went to Facebook Marketplace, managed to get a second-hand one that was like, I don't know, six or seven years old for 15 quid, and that's been 
the Best Buy. My mum then bought her the activity bar that goes over the top of it for Christmas and she loved it. I think she's slightly outgrowing it now, she's not really that interested, but she can sit by herself so there's not really that much need for it anymore. Um, and yeah, I would 100% say that was one of the best things we bought. Some babies love it, some babies hate it, so I'm not saying because Amandine loved it that yours will. Baby bath for us was a definite great purchase. Our baby bath goes up to 12 months. I actually think Amandine will be in it a little bit longer because she's quite small, um, but it means that she can sit up in it by herself. Bath time was revolutionised for us once we got the baby bath. A lot of people say it's a waste of money, but ours was great. We got a um, snug, uh, uh, snuggle, snuggle one. It's one where you can sit up. They sit up in it and yeah, it's brilliant. Love it, love it, love it. Um, what else was a great purchase? Ooh, 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 what was it? Uh, grow bags, I think are an absolute must. We didn't get on with them very well in the first few weeks, but once I'd figured it out, and uh, especially once you went into the bigger ones, I wouldn't be without them. They're fantastic. What else did we buy? Cheeky wipes, 100%, definitely. They were actually gifted to us, but um, brilliant. Reusable wipes, reusable nappies, if you're going to go down that route. They weren't great for Amandine when she was a newborn, but now she's really starting to do well in them. We have a few leg leaks, but it's actually, yeah, working out really well. What else? Um, the donut. Go into my highlights and look at the things that we love. Um, it's the activity donut from Galt. We bought it from Amazon and it's great. It's absolutely brilliant. I wish I'd had it earlier. So wish I'd had it earlier. You can put them in there. They won't go anywhere unless they're crawling, obviously. But they won't go anywhere. They play. You can put them in there with toys. Um, they can fall backwards and it's bouncy. So they, it's, you can also travel with it. Yeah, absolutely superb. Um, go on the We Love section. There's a lot of things on there which I really did genuinely love. Uh, well, everything, obviously, genuinely love that I've highlighted on there. Um, if you're a hiker, 100% this Osprey backpack um that is superb uh if I come up with anything whilst I'm chatting I'll let you know but yeah essentially those were key um sleepyhead for us actually that's a toughy one um someone said to me I haven't seen you using a sleepyhead much and we didn't to be honest I was quite nervous about her becoming dependent on it um and then having to fork out money for the extra extra large one so I made sure she had limited time. When she was down on the sofa with us in the new days, it was brilliant, 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 because she'd sleep in it, she'd take her naps in it, she'd be down there with us. It was a safe place for her to be where she wouldn't roll anywhere um, or fall off anywhere. It was brilliant. But I reckon we probably only got like 10 weeks of good use out of it. Uh, and considering the price of it, it is quite pricey to only get 10 weeks, but a lot of people, you know, put their babies to bed in it. Um, for supervised sleep, we didn't do that, uh, so we can't, probably could have made more use out of it, but I was really worried about her becoming dependent on it, so I, I did limit its use. What book was the one with the bad recipes? <laughs> so it has got some good recipes, so I bought this off Amazon, it's called Young Gums, and I just think maybe some of their recipes haven't been tested, because when you read some of them, it's quite obvious that's not going to work and I did do the banana bread and I didn't really read it before but reading it back it's really quite obvious it's not going to work it was like four tablespoons of coconut oil to six tablespoons of flour 
obviously that's going to be really oily but I just didn't think about it and it was and it was disgusting and it didn't rise and it was nothing like the picture so I have no idea how they got that picture with that recipe um but yeah it's really great for inspiration I have done quite a few recipes out of it but I've tweaked them where I think I can make them better actually and off the back of that one of you have asked oh it's actually my husband <laughs> He's asked for a banana bread recipe. Yeah, I don't have one right now. Not a really, really good one. I will get one. I'll get one. I'll share it with you. Um, yeah, I'll get one. Has A suffered from any separation anxiety? Yes, 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 yes. She has. And I think I've talked about that probably enough. And unfortunately, I don't have any tips to share with you right now. But I think over the coming weeks, I will. So stick with the podcast. I will share more next week. Um, yeah, I'll share more. As I find out. What would you do differently with a newborn if you have another baby? Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, well, if you listen right back to series one, you will know that uh, our kind of plan, if you can say that it's a plan, I mean, it's not really a plan, but our idea was to have not too big a gap between babies, like 18 months. My sister and I are 18 months apart, and I love it. That's really creeping up. In fact, kind of next month, we would have to do the deed for it to be 18 months apart. Um, can I say I'm ready? I'm not 100% sure if I'm there yet. I know baby will grow for nine months and I probably will be ready in another nine months to give birth to another baby, but I've got a whole whirl of emotions going on in my head right now, so I'm not too sure if I'm there yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll let y'all know if, uh, <laughs> if it happens. Um, but what would I do differently if I have another newborn god I don't know not a huge amount actually I don't think um you know I sometimes oh okay I would give them the bottle earlier if you're listening to series three you'll know that bottle for Amandine was really difficult I think we went like six or seven weeks having to give her the bottle two times a day three times a day before she actually took it now she takes it like a pro but it was proper dedication um so I will probably give her the bottle give him or her the bottle from like I don't know a couple of weeks in just for that last feed because then at least you know how much they're getting and might help with cluster feeding I don't know um personally for me I would get more rest when the baby is sleeping make sure you sleep I was way too high on hormones in the first couple of months and I didn't rest and I would be running around cleaning the house moving mattresses really really stupid don't do that um I would be yeah changing bedrooms around like all sorts of things uh but you need to rest you really need to rest and it's one of my biggest regrets that I now know if I have a second child I won't be able to do that because I'll have Amandine which is fine but I won't be able to do it so or it'll be harder to do it I'll be much more reliant on Hendrik or family to look after Amandine whilst I'm resting um not leaving the house. I we had to, this was out of our control, but we had to leave the house every single day for the first week uh, because Amandine had jaundice. Now we didn't kind of get that hunkering down time of just being us and not going out and being in our PJs all day. I always had to get up, get showered, get dressed, um, and at the time it was fine. My hormones completely allowed me to do it, but. 
looking back on it, I really wish we didn't have to do that. And I could have stayed in my PJs, laid in bed with her, cuddled her, let her sleep on me, let me go in and out of sleep. I say that now, but it's not my character to do that. So whether second time around, I'd actually be able to do that. (laughs) I think it's highly unlikely. But in a perfect world, if I could just get out of my head, that would probably be what I would do. Um, Naps is a difficult one. I made a lot of effort to make sure Amandine was napping in her cot from day one because I wanted naps to be, or her cot to be an easy, safe place to put her down for a nap. In hindsight, it's meant that she doesn't nap in the pram, so uh, it's tricky to go out and do anything. For us, we live in the country, so it still kind of works. In the city, that wouldn't work, because obviously, you know, you want to go out, you want to see friends, you want to have coffee, you can take a stroll down the high street, wherever you live, or for us, that's a bit harder, because you have to get in the car to go anywhere, to do something. So if she falls asleep in the car, you then have to get her out, put her into the buggy, or, you know stealth move the car seat onto the buggy um which is tricky i have a few kit things actually uh this could come under the question of what would i do differently or also what did i buy and was pointless but it's not pointless but one thing i realized with my pram i went for the jules geo 2 which is an all-terrain buggy which you can change when you have two kids now because it was into a double buggy um one above the other now One of the best things about having a travel system is that you can put your car seat onto the buggy. With my pram, and I think this is very similar for most um, top and bottom prams, not side by side, is that the best thing about having that was when Amandine was sleeping and she was a baby, just transfer the car seat over. When you've doubled it up, um, your toddler always has to be in the top seat, which is fine, and the baby in the bottom. You can't put the baby on the bottom. You can't put the baby car seat on the bottom. There is a special seat that goes on the bottom for a baby. So I was kind of thinking, well, that's really annoying because if the baby is asleep, I don't want to get her or him out of the car seat, put her then down into the bottom baby section I would probably rather now, looking back on it, and I wish someone had told me, would put one of those little foot things or like a tricycle seat thingy, which you can connect to your um, bike seat thingy, which you can connect to your uh, pram and have Amandine ride on that whilst the baby is in the car seat. So I'm having a few, I don't know, negative thoughts (laughs) towards my pram right now. Uh, it is really big, it's really bulky, it doesn't fit in our mini very well, I have to take off all the wheels, I have to detach things, it's really frustrating. When we bought it, um, I didn't have the same mini, and it fit fine in my other one, it doesn't fit fine in this one, so it's tricky. Um, yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is, I've thought sometimes about selling it and just getting a one-seated buggy, uh, but then I don't think it has a brilliant resale value. It has a good resale value, but also it was a gift from my mum and I feel really bad. <laughs> Essentially, I feel really bad. Uh, I'd love you to hear your thoughts on if you guys think I should just stop worrying about my pram choice. And it took me a really long time to decide on my pram choice. And from day one, I was adamant I was getting a double buggy. Uh, but I kind of wish I hadn't been so adamant.
but never mind, never mind. So I think that's one of my products that I think think hard about actually how it's going to work when you have two children. I also didn't expect to love carrying my baby so much. And I think when I have another baby, if I go out and Amandine used to go in the pram, I just carry the little one. Uh, I still carry Amandine all the time. In fact, for the amount of time we use the buggy, it's very pointless having such a big buggy. That saying, we have a huge basket at the bottom of our buggy. So when I do take Amandine out and I'm doing some shopping, I don't have to take anything else with me. I don't have to lug around anything. It's perfect. And a lot of people who have the Jules Hub or the Jules um what's it called day are really frustrated by the size of the bag on the bottom um so yeah there you go on that note that is pretty much all your questions answered within the podcast and also your questions on instagram answered um if anyone has any others off the back of this i would love to hear them and i will definitely answer them so let me tell you a bit about the rest of this series I have some incredible guests, some of which I've already recorded because they've had to be done on Skype, but I have had some absolutely wonderful guests come on and we are going to be joined by multiple ladies telling us about their birth stories. Everyone's is so different and I found listening to birth stories one of the helpful, one of the most helpful things. So I've covered a lot of birth stories in this um, series. We're talking about friendship. So this will be great for those of you who have toddlers or slightly older children. I'm talking to an author who is um, sharing with us all about how to navigate your child and um, their de- helping them to develop their positive relationships and happier friendships. Uh, also talking um, to Etta Loves, one of my favourite brands. If you're looking at sensory muslins, definitely go and check her out. I talked to her, I have her on the podcast, talking body positivity, talking relationships, um, adult relationships once you have children uh, and so so much more within the podcast and obviously catching up with me loads which I love doing and love answering your questions and I know that that's one of your favorite things is just to hear from me a mum and that's another thing that I really want to do this series is just get more mums on to talk about their experience about having babies because I think we can we can learn the most from other mums chatting about their births their Um, babies the newborn days you know so much we can learn from just chatting with one another so on that note I will leave you be thank you so much for listening I hope you had a wonderful walk or a wonderful cup of tea or a chill time or maybe you're feeling baby I hope that's gone really well and you can now get a little bit of sleep but yeah any questions really dm me I will get back to you I promise um keep hassling me if I don't I get a lot of dms daily it's takes me a long time to respond to them all but I will get there because I truly um love sharing this with you all have a wonderful rest of your week and a lovely rest of your day and I will catch up with you next week when I will also be joined by a guest lots of love to you all bye